trying to get my energy up, man. I've been up working since 7 a.m. Okay, here we go. What if I just took a nap on the podcast? No. Okay, here we go. Wouldn't that be amazing? Hey, guys, welcome to our two-hour nap session. (laughs) Have you ever wondered why it is that we do what we do and who we do it with? Then this is a podcast for you, an exploration of human beings through systemic psychology and Unani biotypes with Rodrigo Garcia Platas, Ross Everett, and Brian McElhaney. This is Biotypical. It's Thursday, and I feel like it's Friday of an 11-day week. Uh Uh-huh. I'm just sitting here, man, getting older and grayer. Like, it is just like, okay, well, let's get to this. Let's get to this. And then I'm like, all right, we're already at Thursday. Dude, I'm the oldest person on this podcast. You cannot say that to me. And I have the most gray hair on this podcast. So that is very true. But gray hair does not fall. What do you mean? It doesn't fall out? Yeah, it doesn't fall out. Gray hair is 70% thicker than regular hair. That's why men either go bold or they go gray. Oh, all right. Well. That's why you don't see a lot of people with gray hair who are balding. Oh, I have to pay more attention to that then. Anyway, I just, I feel older. I feel significantly older. I wonder if we can compare this with like an earlier episode. Dan, I don't want to give you more work, but like <laughs> the, the so timbre of our voice. Yeah, I, I went back and I listened to some early episodes of this and it was like, like, oh gosh, like how, how young he was. <laughs> was it embarrassing? Um, I think to me, I don't think other people would, would find it that cringe, but like, it's always worse when you look back at your own early stuff. You know, I could hear the, the showmanship in the voice, you know, I think what happened over three years of, of doing this is like more of like a comfort and less of like, Oh, like, here's what it looks like. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, 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 the most fantastic (laughs) creator in the the entire universe is Rodrigo and he's a specialist and, you know. So now we get on and we're like, sup? Yeah. Sup, now it patrons. feels like we're in, in our living room. Yeah. Which helps. We've got a big announcement for everyone on this podcast, which is, I'm going to call it bittersweet, right? Yes. It's sweet because so much is going to come from it. Yep. And it's bitter because we'll tell you in a little bit. It's exciting, but it's but very it's, exciting. It's also a little bit of a change, and change also brings a little bit of sadness and nostalgia. For sure. But before we get into that announcement, let's go over some of these questions that we've got. So if you are subscribed to our uh, newsletter, there's a section on there that's like, ask Rodrigo, right? What questions do you have for Rodrigo? And we got a couple of good questions from our newsletter. Of course, rgpdevelopment.com, if you want to hop on that newsletter, send out a bunch of good stuff over there. You, you were talking about, about like listening to episodes from three years ago. And uh-huh. uh, there's, there's something I want to share. So okay. the other day I decided that Santi, my, theory, my three-year-old son, who was extremely mature and, and potty trained himself in a beautiful way, um, I decided that he was old enough for me to share something with him. And then I was massively disappointed. Um, I sat him down on the, on the TV room and I said, did you know that daddy was not a TV show as a kid? And he was like, were you on TV? And I was like, yeah. So I pulled up from YouTube uh, videos of me at 11 years old on the Mickey Mouse Club Mexico presenting cartoons. And it was the, mo- it was the most underwhelming experience in the world. Because it turns out for modern children, 
watching their dad or on their or their mom on the screen is absolutely normal because that's where i show that's where i show him pictures of like the last party that we had on the tv and he's watching amazing almost professionally made videos that are filmed on phones constantly so he was like oh yeah that's that's you as a kid and i was like yeah uh, and he was like, he, he wasn't like, were you on TV? Oh my God, TV shows. He doesn't have the concept of TV shows. Mm-hmm. And watching people on the screen is absolutely normal. So, so he was like, oh, that's that as a kid. Okay, can we watch something else now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's not novel anymore. I was thinking exactly. about, I was actually just watching a video of someone recreating a video game from their childhood. And I was thinking that game when it first came out was team of, you know, maybe a hundred people developing yeah. this game for years. It was groundbreaking. And one person recreated it in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, the, the technology has advanced so much that the things that used to be, oh, wow, this, now you've made it. You know, you, you made a video game. You were on the Disney channel. Now it's like, yeah, you know. Nothing means is. anything anymore, Ross. We lost institutions. We jumped into another reality where nothing means anything. Or we get to discover new meaning about what it means to be human and it's less based on our achievements, he hoped. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's very hopeful thinking. All I know is that today in the world, the president of the United States could walk into a high school and go like, I am the president. And I can see a bunch of teenagers going like, whatever, who cares? How many followers do you have on the talk? Exactly. Do they call it the talk? <laughs> That's a I'm very sure like millennial don't. '90s way to like. If it was cool in the '90s, they would have called it the talk, the TikTok, the tick, <laughs> the TikTok. Sounds like what a a boomer would think that kids call it. Oh, the application the called TikTok. Yeah, what's an app? An appetizer? <laughs> oh, that sounds so good. Dan says they would call it the tickety talkity. The tickety talkity. <laughs> that's yeah. that's what a boomer would call it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I've been doing like. My version of intermittent fasting, which is like celery juice in the morning and, and water and waiting 20 minutes in between and then starting the day with a baked potato. And I am so hungry and irritable for like the first half of the day. And I like to think that it's like my body detoxing, which gives me like, you know, negativity. Yeah. It's like getting the negativity out. But I'm sorry to y'all, at the time that we're recording this, I am in my grumble post phase. So <laughs> um, can I make you angrier? Can I ask you? Can I ask you a, a an anger inducing question? Do you really want to? I mean, <laughs> yes. What you're hearing is my head hitting my microphone. Yeah. All right. Induce my anger. How is it that you're way healthier than me, eat way better than me, and I lose weight way easier than you? You know. No, I don't. Yes, you do. How late Why? at night do you eat? Very late. Really? I usually like have snacks in bed. Don't you skip days of eating? Yes, I do. That's not why. not consciously. No. Not on but, purpose. But I think like having that intermittent fasting allows you to well also I think you probably won the genetic lottery in, in a couple of ways. So like you when gone it comes to, to doctors, eating, I did. Yeah. They, you've gone to doctors and they're like, You have the heart of a two year old, you know? Dude, and like I was I was just in the hospital in December, as you very uh-huh. well know, because uh-huh. my spine gave in again and not 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 a major problem, just what a charitable my, spine that you have that just keeps giving in. Exactly. It just yeah. keeps giving. It's yeah. the it's the spine that gives giving. But um 
uh, like I, I needed like uh, the procedure that I usually get every couple of years, like infiltration, infiltration in the OR and then I'm fine. But ever since I moved to Merida, do you have any idea how many heartbeats per minute I have when I'm, when I'm resting? Uh, when you're resting, what, like 55? Yes. 48. Dear Lord. I have the heart of an Olympic athlete. <laughs> Mazel tov. Like, congratulations. But I'm balding. Yeah. Would I trade? <laughs> I don't they think checked so. my heart three times because they told me there's no way someone that looks like you has this heart. Like, you should be ripped. Like, there is no way. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have a sanguine heart. I do have a theory about this, and this is not medical advice, but based on like the little stuff that we've learned about like sanguines and like sanguines with their liver power and mm -hmm. what I've learned from the medical medium about what the liver does and the role that the liver plays in our overall health, like it's one of the most important organs that we have. So if your liver is strong and you do that intermittent fasting thing, even on accident, it's giving your liver time to dump all of the crap that yep. you eat. So... For me, I think a couple of things. I think that being a sanguine allows you to, you have high periods of stress, but then when you're out of those periods of stress, you are out of them. So your cortisol pump isn't consistent. You have cortisol and then it, you, when you rest, you rest. I think I live a very emotionally stressed life as a yeah. phlegmatic, as an analyzing phlegmatic with a lot of responsibility. I think my life is very emotionally stressful. Constantly thinking about other people, potentially letting them down, even at night, even like, you know, uh, it's hard for me to disconnect from that. I think that that takes a toll on my health, for sure. Um, additionally, f comfort food. I don't think you eat a lot. You and I have gone out to eat. I and eat very badly, but ever since I... Ever since I trained my body to 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 fast intermittently, um, I I got used to it. It's how I eat now. It, it's the healthiest thing that you can do as a sanguine eating just once or twice a day, which is like I never eat more than twice a day. Many times I eat once, and and even though the quality of my food is not the best when I'm not at home, uh, I also pay close attention to the order of what I eat. So people only see me eating like the burger or the pizza or anything like that, but they don't see me pushing like three carrots before I leave my house. Like ever since I read The Glucose Goddess, that changed my life completely. And Do you also, eat three carrots before you leave your house and then you go eat a whole burger 20 minutes later and you're fine? Yeah, because you absorb 70% less carbs. Oh, oh, that's interesting. So that the and then also we're, 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 going, we're missing, I think a crucial thing is what country do you live in? Mexico, baby. Yeah. I live in the United States. Our food we're, isn't the greatest we're here. Fresh, fresh, good food is the cheapest. No, the most, not yeah. the most expensive. No, for us, it's like like the oils in our foods is like like a byproduct of cotton. You know, it's, like it's, it's pretty much engine oil. Yeah, our our, our oil in our food is like gasoline. Uh, yeah. So it's like I think our bodies are fighting too big a fight most of the time. I notice when I go up there, like I've mentioned this before, but every time I go to the States and I just start eating junk food because that's what I love. Like after a week of Taco Bell, Wendy's, Jack in the Box, um, chili dogs and things like that, I literally feel like there is lard going through my veins and I yeah. start craving fruit, which I never do in Mexico. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I think that's the, the maddening answer to your question. <laughs> um, Sorry. You ready to get into some of these questions? Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. 
So question one, this is about relationships, right? We've, we've mm-hmm. gone over relationships that the first stage of attraction is that biological attraction, that fundamental attraction. We have melancholics and sanguines being attracted to each other and cholerics yes. and phlegmatics being attracted to each other. Yes. Now, we've never really gone over this, but what about firewater women? They, they say, and, and one of the things, these, this question has a little bit of a falsehood in it, since cholerics are the biological match for phlegmatics, should firewater women be the match for phlegmatic men? And one of the most important things is that that stage one is not, <laughs> is not the ideal way no, to partner that's in today's not what society. You want. So, I mean, it'll always be exciting. Like, no matter what, you'll always be sexually attracted to your, your genetical opposite, like your biological opposite. You'll always be attracted to them. That doesn't mean that it's the right choice. It just means that something biological goes like, yeah, this is the right person. So what's the deal with firewaters? Should, like, would they be attracted to phlegmatic men? No, and this is, oh, this is going to sound horrible, but this is actually the reason why most firewaters are alone. They are the one biology that right off the bat has, is not compatible with anyone. Like, if you're a disintegrated phlegmatic, you can still find fiery people attractive. If you're a disintegrated melancholic, you're still going to find sanguines attractive at some point. But if you're a disintegrated firewater, and by disintegrated, remember, we mean you're using all of the abilities of your biology to survive, to defend yourself, and kind of against you instead of to actually create what you're in this world for. A disintegrated firewater is going to be perfectly compatible with phlegmatic men, with true phlegmatic men, but she'll destroy them, and she won't find them very desirable. If she finds a sanguine, the sanguine's going to be strong enough for her, but he's going to be dumb. And reckless, and she's not going to enjoy that. Or she can find a melancholic, but she'll destroy the melancholic. Uh, so th- this is why disintegrated phlegmatics usually end up alone, and and usually try to create relationships. Disintegrated with firewaters. Disintegrated fire firewaters. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Like disintegrated firewaters usually end up alone, and they usually end up dating, like. Once they decide that they will never find anyone that actually fits what they're looking for, they usually just end up dating uh, false fire men and destroying them. (laughs) They'll start with cholerics. (laughs) But what a false fire should do, and, and, and this works, we know this works, is if a false fire balances out, she is perfect for any choleric. Perfect because they just get them. But they would need to balance out first so that they can actually bring some balance to their relationship and be able to understand, but also calm down the choleric and use the strength of the choleric in the right way. Like couples between, between firewaters and cholerics, if the firewater is balanced, are amazing. But usually only choleric men are strong enough for them to fall for them. But choleric men are not attracted to someone who acts exactly like them and thinks exactly like them. Like they would have amazing sex and then kind of kill each other. Someone needs to balance out. Something's got to give. Awesome. Uh, Kim (laughs) says, I'm only physically attracted to other sanguines, I think. Hence why I'm probably still alone. But I bet you have a lot of fun. Sanguine sanguine relationships are just like a blast of disorganized chaos. Can, can I tell you one thing about that? I 
I have one couple down here in Merida that I've been working with like on and off for, for a little bit more than a year now. And they're both sanguine. And it is such an interesting relationship. So interesting. Like they are both fighting internal childish battles that don't really allow them to see their partner or what their partner needs, but they support each other each other in this journey. Like more than a couple, they're actually like buddies trying to mature uh, and they're making it work, but it's fantastic. Like they understand love and relationships and sexuality in ways that no other couple I've ever met actually understands, but they seem like two young children trying to go through their trauma while supporting each other's process, but not really being there for each other at all, which is like very interesting to watch. No phlegmatic could be in a relationship like that. No. I'm wondering, is one of them supporting? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's the only way that that could work. Yes. Because and one the of them has one to be the one that their promoting. personality is at least, is it supporting and promoting? Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's the only way. <laughs> he is promoting. She is supporting. That's exactly what I thought the combination was going to be. Yeah. Yes. That, that's why they function. And then, Every, I don't know, six months, she comes up with, I really think that as a family, we should be a little bit more careful with something like this, which is like the most obvious thing you've ever heard of. Like, I think we should probably live together now that we have a kid. Like, I'm making this up, but, but to give you an example. And then I go like, yeah, that sounds smart. I'm going to tell him. And then they have this conversation about the most obvious thing in the world. And they're ridiculously excited that they finally broke through something and completely understand each other. It's childish, but nice. it's like kindergartners dating Uh, in a way yeah Brenna asks would a lesbian firewater be attracted to another lesbian firewater I don't think think be attracted to anything it depends on the 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 way that someone was brought up but I think that's two people holding the same place in time like they would be competing for the same space I think of of, of, a phlegmatic firewater who's a lesbian would probably just, unless they have a lot of work done, like unless they've gone to therapy for years or, or have been in coaching for years and have realized a bunch of shit, the truth is that they're perfectly compatible with a deeply offended phlegmatic. Yeah. And just solving the, the, like the problems of the relationship constantly. Like she would pay the price of any man with a true phlegmatic woman uh, who, who gets offended easily. That was my thought too. All right. <laughs> Next question. I think you've talked about this before, but what, what do you it? think about gentle parenting? Gentle parenting. Are you familiar with that, that term? Yes, I am. Uh, in Spanish, we call it crianza respetuosa, gentle parenting. The thing is, I can tell you my wife's favorite phrase because we, we studied a lot of gentle parenting before we had kids because it's the most fashionable thing right now. Mm -hmm. But my wife says this all the time. Gentle parenting is for gentle children. (laughs) That's funny. Um, It works and it applies. The, the, The problem is... Most people read gentle parenting and, and they take it as an amazing excuse to actually be a neglecting parent because there's a very thin line between gentle parenting and actually avoiding your role as a parent. Mm-hmm. It's gentle parenting is about doing the exact same stuff that everyone else does as a parent, just being very mindful about it. So let, let me give you an example. Most people that I've heard saying something like, uh, oh, I do gentle parenting, what you see them do is they go to a party, the kid is breaking things, pushing people around, 
yelling from the top of their lungs, uh, pulling the fire alarm. And this person is just sitting down going like, I practice gentle parenting. The truth is that that's not gentle parenting. That's a dramatic excuse not to be a parent. It's, it's to give yourself this, this free, free pass, not, not to actually be present with the things that are important for your children. Now, I'll give you an example of what I believe gentle parenting really is. And I went through this yesterday. We were filming here, like it was chaotic. Uh, and Santi came back from school. And for some reason, he was screaming his lungs out. Uh, he, was, he got mad about something. And then like the nanny couldn't contain him. And then Danny, my wife, tried, tried to go and, and contain him a little bit too. But we, we were working. We were frustrated. And... And she went to say to say something to him, and and he took it okay. But then he started yelling again, and then he was like, "I don't, I don't know what to do." And I said, "Okay, give me one second. And then I, he was in the kitchen, like his he was covered in tears, like he had been screaming for a while. So I just went there, I got at his level, I got on the ground, and I said, "Come here." And he was like, <laughs> and I was like, "Come here." I held him, and I said, "I understand." that you must feel something horrible. That's, that's why you're screaming. But calm down, you're okay. You're with that now. You're okay, you're okay. Instead of trying to correct him, yell at him, be stronger than him, uh, be louder than him, in order to create a boundary for him to stop, which is what most people would do intuitively, Gentle parenting is acknowledging his, uh, acknowledging his emotion, understanding that it's, that it's fine, he's just going through something, matching his energy, and then inviting him into a, into a different energy. People keep forgetting this. Let, let me go into this. Be, because people keep forgetting that the purpose of energy is to transfer. That, that's true everywhere. Like if you put a piece of ice in your, in your soft drink, it's going to transfer the lack of energy and it's going to pull some of the energy from the drink. Most people think that when you throw a piece of ice into your Diet Coke, for example, it's because the ice is cold and it's melting that, that your Diet Coke is going to get a little bit colder. No, it's not the contact with something cold. You're putting a piece of, a piece of ice that has negative energy and it's trying to become liquid at the environment that you have it right now. And that conversion takes up a lot of energy. So energy wants to be transferred. Energy wants to equalize all the time. Emotions are exactly the same. Emotions are energy. Therefore, every time you're in a relationship with someone, you're either buying into their energy or inviting them into your energy. You end up feeling exactly like them or you invite them to feel like you. So you talk to your friend who's depressed and you're having an amazing day. You either end up feeling a little bit depressed just like your friend because you picked up on that energy and it was transferred to you or you use your energy in order to invite this person into your energy and guide them through energy is contagious its emotions are exactly the same your kid's energy wants wants you to feel the exact same thing that's the purpose of their screaming it's like look at what i'm going through look at what i'm feeling i want you to feel it with me like help me with this and as a parent you can never allow that to happen you can ne you can never buy into their energy because sometimes your kid is angry and by the time you realize it now you're angrier than your kid and thinking that using that exact same emotion is going to save them gentle parenting is having the awareness that no matter what your kid 
is experiencing, you cannot buy into their energy. You get to create your own energy and invite them into it. it don't, don't fight it. Don't resist it. Source something new and create a context for it. Two minutes after I went into the kitchen, Santi was laughing and playing again. You first need to acknowledge the, the, the experience that they're having and then be very specific, loving, but very specific about the energy that you're inviting them into. You don't force them to experience it. You don't tell them that you're doing this. You don't tell them what they're supposed to do. You just are this energy of love, connection, tranquility, relaxation, whatever you're choosing. You, you become that until you invite them into it. And it doesn't take a long time. I believe that's what true gentle parenting is, like allowing their emotion, allowing their movement, and then switching it and creating a completely new space. The problem is, again, that most people use gentle parenting as an amazing excuse to actually neglect their children by not doing anything and pretending like they're just being gentle parents. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a very unenthusiastic answer, Ross. Dude, I'm an ice cube right now and I'm uh, transmuting energy. <laughs> and I don't have children because yeah. I just gave gold. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't have children. So uh, thanks for reminding me. No, I'm not at that phase of my life yet. <laughs> not, not that you know. Let's not hope that. that in 10 years, little Rosito doesn't like come knocking at your door. I will tell you, Rodrigo, with the life that I've lived, I know. <laughs> I am like I I am so certain. There's not a who maybe or there's no question marks. My I, Spanish grandfather told me that as a as a real man, when they ask you if you have any children, all you can say is not that I know of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I no. have two. Yeah, that, that know you of. know of. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure your wife loves that joke. <laughs> and, if, and if any other kid ever shows up, they better have like college paid for, and and be willing to connect with a beautiful family. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure I don't have any kids. Yeah, except for my two. I'm <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> I don't know. Twenties were a wild time. Um, all right, we got another. I'm old, but I'm not that old. What, what do you mean? I wasn't you're, there in the 1920s. 40. No, you're... <laughs> <laughs> I know they were wild. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Like Charleston was around and people they call were them just... The roaring 20s even. The roaring 20s. <laughs> and those, those, little, those little like dresses with like little feathers and things like going around. Oh, flappers. Flappers. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea there was a word for them. All right. Uh, this question was actually submitted in Spanish, so thank you to Carol for translating this for us. Oh, <laughs> you can read um, it in Spanish. I don't have it in Spanish. Okay. Oh. Por qué un... Ah, nope. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you started with such confidence. Por qué cuando yo creo un hombre quien tiene toros, yo veo... What did I just say? You said, why is it that when I create a man, yeah. um, I'm already I, I believe, yeah. and then you stopped. <laughs> okay. <laughs> kind of, you're going to be kind of proud of me, I think. Brian just hopped in. I'm going to answer this question after we get this, this Brian, uh, Brian Joy out of the way. Hey, Brian. Hello, Brian. Good morning, gentlemen. You know, I miss the days 
uh, <laughs> in the year 2020 when I had nothing else in my life except for Biotypical. That was all I had at one point. It was every Thursday at 10 and then a free week and then Biotypical. I know. Now it's a simpler you know, time. It was a simpler time. This show, I really, we have this Britannic show tonight that we are not. It's the one you saw, Ross, the one that ends with the crazy trauma and everything. I love that. I want to watch it. I want to <laughs> watch you back one to America. of your shows. I know. Your country doesn't want me in there. I'm, I'm, I'm too dangerous. That's right. <laughs> I'm too um, dangerous for other therapists and coaches in the States. You, yeah, I, I believe that. <laughs> what have you guys been talking about? Happy 2024, by the way. It's a new us. Happy 2024, Brian. Oh, should we tell him? <laughs> I, I think we should. Yeah. So bad news. We're we're gonna tell everyone right now. I think this is this is gonna be our our nice big reveal. So we're gonna be putting the podcast on pause okay. for a bit for an indefinite amount of time while we gather our resources to really invest in creating these courses that we filmed. So. Okay. What yeah, Brian, mean? we wanted to have you on here to tell you <laughs> and everyone. You. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um, being called into the boss's office. Being we're like, giving you, we're giving you your life back. Information this is what they but... told me when I was fired once. We're setting you free. You can travel <laughs> without a microphone now. Yeah. Um, a dream. Um, I always, so, you guys know that. I, I know. I'm, I'm watching Luis. Luis hopped on. This is his first episode as a patron. We're so sorry, He's like, I'm so excited to be here. And I was like, oh, man, what an episode for you to join. (laughs) But um, to all the patrons who are listening to this and being like. It's a pause. It's a pause. We're not canceling the podcast. We're going to be able to pause your payments so you guys will not be charged while we are not making the podcast. And uh, we're. Wait, can we stick? Can we stick? Can we still charge them? I think they'll leave. I think they'll be like, no, thank can you. We call it, can we call back. it the, any work can at we, all? Yeah. Can we call it the pause cast? The pause cast. <laughs> good one, Igor. <laughs> That's good. So, um, yeah, we're going to be we're gonna be taking a pause uh, while we – here's the, the – when I said it was bittersweet, that's the bitter part. Here's the sweet news. We have one, two, three, four – five new workshops that are are currently in post-production and we are getting ready to launch all of that. And just these two hours a week really do need to be dedicated towards making those. And then also we're going to be filming a lot more Instagram reels and TikToks and using this time to generate awesome TikTok content is, uh, is, is what's going to be used just while we get this, this new phase up and running. You know what um, we haven't done in a long time, which I always found really watchable and fun, is the Instagram lives you used to do, Rodrigo. There's like our lives where you'd be like, no. which I guess is kind of like the podcast. So I defeat the purpose for you to start doing those again because they are like <laughs> an hour of your time. But those were great. Those um, will come back in like when we are ready with the courses. We yeah. will be doing a lot of lives to talk about what's within the courses. I mean, these questions that people are asking are pretty friggin' phenomenal for what we're what we're building you know um so you know that there's still going to be content coming out for sure but this format of it is is going on pause um and we miss we miss brian uh i miss brian i miss rodrigo and this will be you know uh uh but brian's also on his world tour juggling with clowns across the world and i wish you could have seen the show i you know i making out with nate don't 
bring me this <laughs> 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 relationship. Yeah. My wife says I can do anything I want with Nate. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> not Nate, in your bed. Nate yeah. is my free pass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so that's our that's our bittersweet news. We're kicking off 2024 with a all right. Let's stop. <laughs> let's put a pause on this. And I'm excited about those lives that 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 you were talking about, Brian. People in the patron section just said that, that that's the reason I'm here. Those lives. Last year I started doing a few of those in Spanish, as we were promoting biotypes in Spanish, and one of the most this this is probably very selfish, but I don't care. Um, like one of the nicest things I've I've ever read about my work is I started doing them on TikTok because of the audience that we have in TikTok in Spanish. And then other channels that are about psychology uh, that other therapists have, et cetera, et cetera, started um, posting my, my lives and my content and making stories about it and saying, this is therapy for therapists. And, and like psychologists going like, for my patients who ask me where I go for a therapy, this is my therapist. And they will take a piece of my life and just upload it. That, 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 was, that felt like a deep, deep honor. And I'm, I'm excited that I could, I could share and support many of my colleagues in this path. That's like being a comedian's comedian. That's, that's like the therapy version of that. You can the make other comedians that, laugh. You can make other therapists feel better. The problem is that given what I've heard, those comedians, comedians... Um, oh, yeah, they die. They die very They die. They tragic. die poor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they die poor early. But let me tell you, all the famous people the that couldn't give them yeah, a leg up the, are so sad, and they talk about them on their podcast with such fondness. Man. So, you know... <laughs> Well, uh, I've encountered amazing comedians just listening to other comedians go like, nobody knows this guy. But if you watch him, and I watch them and I go like, yeah, this guy's fantastic. How is it that they're not bigger? They're oh, not. There's yeah. so many of those people. That Brian's, a, Brian's a bit of a comedian's comedian, but found a way that. to make it work. <sighs> Don't say that. I need, I, need, I need middle America to like me. Leo, what are you talking about? Yeah. I need the public. Well, then create, states. create a no. redneck character. I think we're kind of half and half, which is I, I like. I think we're one foot in that world and um, whatever. I, I won't go into. You're I, Tom Scott's favorite comedian. That's true. I just was with Tom Scott last month. Who's um, Tom Scott? We're like YouTubers. You, you, comedy YouTubers seem to really like us. Um, uh, whatever. It's uh, and it's, big directors and I do think Hollywood you want stars. to be. Um, it's really nice to be acknowledged by your community of. Your peers of what you do. Yeah. If you are really successful in something, but all of your peers think you're kind of a joke, it doesn't feel good. Like I know people like that, and like you at least want the res- like the respect from a small group of people who know what they're doing versus the respect from millions of people who have no idea. It kind of is way more sexy the respect from your peers. Um, I I actually enjoy telling people when they ask me like, "What do you do?" and I start explaining. I this is going to sound arrogant, but I love saying I'm really famous in a very small world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I'm someone for people that actually get a few things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Brennan yeah. wanted to know what the, uh, the new workshops are going to be about. What are they, Ross? Well, we've got biotypes in sales, which is a huge one, which is a phenomenal one. Um, biotypes in family, which is, you know, talking about all that gentle parenting that we've been going over. 
Yep. You know, which biotypes do you gentle parent and how do you gentle parent each biotype? But really it's just how do you parent each biotype? And that goes yep. through like not just as children but teenagers as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've also got biotypes and relationships, which is an in-depth answer to how each biotype shows up with other biotypes in relationships. We go over a bit of that in biotype basics, but this is like the full drenched version of all of that. We need to have that one locked and loaded in every Instagram and Facebook message because 80% of the messages that we receive are answered in that workshop. I know. And then we've got falling in love, which is uh-huh. yeah, which is more of a psychological approach to relationships, yep. right? Talking about yep. you you know, everyone that asks that question of who should I be with, falling in love answers that question. You walk out of falling in love with an actual list of the qualities that a human being needs to have in order to be able to create a functional relationship with you. Stop flying blind in your relationships. Yep. And then we've got uh, break your unhealthy relationship patterns in seven days. Yep. We're going between seven and ten depending on the length of that workshop. But we've got that course is going to be coming out probably next. Um, break your unhealthy relationship patterns. We're, we're working on that one pretty heavily right now. But, but that the more works. exciting things are beyond those workshops. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, oh, you're talking about the new additions to are we should I announce that on here? Well, not as a fact, but something that we're working on. Okay. Yeah, tell me. I want to know. <laughs> yeah, Brian, you're gonna be really amped about this. So for those of you that are eligible for the, the general certification, we are adding a an elevated track to that. So the, the certification as is is going to continue. Pero but we are adding in retreats to Mexico. Yes. So, Yucatan, baby. Yeah. With you know, we're going to have like a premier version of the certification that's going to include uh I think around two trips to Mexico. Uh all ex- you know, you, you fly there, but we're going to take care of the experiences that happen when you're there. And they're going to be weekends of facilitation, trainings, and coaching. So that's going to be available for our coaching certification students and our general certification students, as well as past uh, general certification students will, will have an option to join in on those as well. So let's just say that um, we're opening a new track uh, for a certification that's hybrid where you'll still get all the amazing online information that we that we do give and teach today, plus the equivalent of probably 10 years of therapy in a couple of retreats that will transform your life permanently. Because we, we <laughs> Rodrigo's going to shove ayahuasca down your throat and be like, all right, there you go. And Actually, you. Rodrigo mentioned that, and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, we could even do that, but the truth is that we don't need it. We don't need it. Just give me people for a few days in a retreat where we, where we can disconnect them from everything and just be fully present on their lives. Dude, dude. Because that's what I've been doing in, in Mexico a lot. And the results are mind-blowing. Like what we can create with people being in the, same, in the same space for a few days when it comes to their lives, not the information, but their lives. It's... Yes, yes, I, I want that yesterday. So, yeah, Rodrigo can't come to the States, so we're bringing the States to Rodrigo. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's what we're going to be working on. And, uh, you know, we got we to gotta put a pause yeah. on the podcast in order to get that stuff functioning. Brian, be- are you looking into, why are you holding your passport already? 
sorry. I yeah. just uh, I want to book a fight. Uh, yeah. I heard Mexico and I was just thought of La Condesa and I just have been. <laughs> Dude, Merida makes La Condesa look like the poshest place. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Wait, it makes my can it look posh? Posh, like not connected, not grounded, right. not oh, not profound enough, not hipster oh. enough. Ooh, interesting. Ooh, okay, I'm in. Um, what, now, is this only for certification people, or will the other be other things? Like, what will the retreats be? Will it just be for people trying to get certified as teachers, or will it be for? Because I mean, asking selfishly, I've still wanted to take MITT with Rodrigo or another in-person course with him. What? Well, we will make an exception for the Bryans of the world for sure. But this is this is definitely something that I mean that that's a really good question. I think we would probably include it and then maybe offer something that for people that haven't yet done. Uh, I think we'd want people to have gone through BYB before we take them there, right? Yes, like BYB would probably be a prerequisite. Yes, um, but then we. Can but at the same point, up. if it works, uh, like as good as we think it will uh, with the certifications. Imagine a falling in love, which is actually like a few days down here, learning and breaking through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of what we're putting together is, you know, Brenna commented, is it revamps or new recordings of the old courses? I would, I would wager to say it is like, it's more than just the old courses. It's everything that we've learned, compiled, mastered. Every single time that Rodrigo has done one of those biotypes and sales, biotypes and relationships, biotypes and family, they've looked different. So what we did was we went through all of those courses. We took the best of the best of the best and we recorded all of it. So it's like yep. a, it's, it's a, a complete guide to those things. They're robust. Um, and at the Igor same time, says, if you listen to our episodes from three years ago, you're going to realize that we've been wanting to do this right off the bat. Now we actually have the experience to do it. Yep. Uh, Igor says, is BYB a prerequisite for falling in love? No. No. no falling in love is available to people who have not... Uh, Muggles can do falling in love. Muggles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, so the Brian, I, I know you, you've got a writing deadline, but we love it, you for which hopping is to on. write a show and perform it by tonight at eight p.m. So. Is that wait? You already have the show written. Oh, my friend, this show is going through changes and changes and changes. Really? We are. It's a. It's an ever turning clock. Uh, you, you saw it before you in Edinburgh, so it's it's just you know becoming what it's going to be for August. So can I tweet? Can I? Can I? Sorry. Can I X something tagging you and tagging the show? Going like you guys bought tickets for a show that hasn't even been written. Good luck. Yeah, but I that's the that title. So it's called the yeah, work yeah. in progress. And then it's <laughs> like, what the fuck are we doing? Everyone knows what we're saying. Brian has no secrets. There's no way to shame Brian publicly on the internet. Brian has uploaded videos of him sucking like mime penis, like air penis. What? Yeah. Nate's when he was penis. hypnotized. Yeah, yeah. There's a video of Nate <laughs> with her. I can dress up like a clown. Out, and Nick and I are like giving a blowjob on either side of it. <laughs> like making audience members leave. It is so, I've seen so many people walk out of Natalie perform. It's, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. Comedian's uh, comedian. Yeah, absolutely comedian's comedian. Yeah. Um, have you seen like Matt Rife? Of, oh, no. Matt Rife is not comedian. a com- It's the opposite of a comedian's comedian. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, God, they made fun of him in Stamptown so much last night. I would, <laughs> please do share. 
He just kept, Matt Reif ends his, his special by going, oh, but I guess I only do crowd work and drops the mic. So, because people have said, like, Whoa. this kid only does crowd work is like the big yeah. thing. So he does a whole special on Netflix and he goes, oh, but I guess I just do crowd work and then drops the mic. And we, as comedians, consider that to be a very cringy move to do as a comedian. Dropping the mic is always kind of like a, what are you doing, buddy? Like, you're just saying to people, like, I'm so fucking awesome. Look at this. Drop. Every once in a while, it really works. Like, you have to really earn it to make that happen. But Matt, did, it's like a pretty lame line to end your special with and a lame thing to do. So Zach just kept doing that on stage as Jack Tucker <laughs> and Sam Town last night. Um, uh, you kind of had to be there to understand anything from Sam Town. Also, I caught a juggling pass on the stage two days ago. Um, this guy, this professional juggler came on and started juggling pins at me. And I did it, and the audience went fucking crazy. I never felt so excited and alive on stage in my life. It was insane. <laughs> it was insane. I, I was no one expected it. I didn't expect it. I was surprised. I was like, I've never done this before. I can't do this. And then uh, my body reached deep down and learned how to pass clubs on the spot in front of people because I had to. So, uh, wow. Yeah. It's a, uh, it was a, it was a thrilling moment for me. That is and really we'll cool. About it. When will you do a show in Mexico? Yeah, <laughs> we should. Now that we're doing international shows, I mean, we're going to do a show in India. So why not Mexico? If you can do a show in India, why not Mexico? Uh, and see, this is why we're canceled, guys. This is why yeah. we're back. <laughs> I'm Mexican. I can do that. You know, I do think a lot about accents and how it's like some accents you can do and somehow accents you cannot do. Boy, this is tricky subjects I'm going to start talking about here. And how it's like, I understand. Go out. We can be canceled right now. It's not a problem. We can. There is something that's like. I understand like the, the viewpoint of like, don't do these types of accents. People have done these accents in a stereotypical way to make fun of them for too long, blah, blah, blah. Can't do it. That being said, there's also <laughs> something kind of fucked up about the idea of like, these accents you can do, but these accents, these beautiful accents, like you want to like understand and try to see where it lives in your mouth and how they move and how they speak. Don't do that. Just make it sound white. Make these accents sound white. Pretend they don't exist. Make them neutral. Okay, good. That's the way you should do it. That seems kind of like fucked up to me. Is like you can kind of like play and enjoy these accents, but these other ones, erase them. Make them invisible. Don't even try to do it. Even if you have no ill intention to make fun of it. It's, there's something like, there's something kind of backwards in the progressive view of which accents you can do, which ones you can't do. It's like erase these ones that we... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I get kind of like brain tied when I think about it a little bit. That's why the best thing is not to have an accent. Pardon, sir? That's why the best thing is not to have an accent. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sir, I've where always, are you from? Yeah. <laughs> I've always uh, loved the, uh, uh, and you know, I'll do this in private with friends, but like if I do an accent and they go, that's racist, and I go, to who? And they go, you know, to then they'll guess whatever accent they think I was doing. And I go, oh, well, that if you thought that's the accent I was doing, then that's racist. Also, it's like, <laughs> that is what this accent sounds like. Why is that racist? Like, if it is the stereotypical, like, you know, put, put together kind of what that accent sounds like in its, like, most common form, and you do it really well, you love the accent, you've kind of been around these people, you've studied it, what makes it racist just you doing it? It doesn't. It's that other people have used it to hurt, and people are just connecting you to that immediately. 
Yeah, by the transitive property of racism, you're guilty. It's the transitive property of racism. And does it really make people who actually have that accent offended? It's a a geometry joke. The transitive property. Is it geometry? Terrible. Yeah, in geometry, remember how you'd have to like write proofs and you'd have to like write what property, like A equals B and B equals C, therefore A equals C. That's the transitive property. So then we say like this person used that accent and they were racist. You used that accent, therefore you are racist. It's a That's transitive odd. property. It's a geometry. How do you say syllogismo in English? A syllogism, yes. That's a, that's a syllogism. A yeah, syllogism formula. was taught in, in geometry. In oh, geometry? no, syllogism, syllogisms logic. are logic. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, do you want to hear something really racist that your country does and doesn't even notice? Dan, just bleep out whatever he's about to say. No, 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 this is good. Don't bleep me out, Dan. Yeah, because <laughs> my, my argument is that it's more racist to be like, oh, when you do an impression of Rodrigo, just talk like this and say Rodrigo said this. And it's like, I'm like, just, okay, erase Rodrigo then. That's, That's racist for robots. I, I've, I mean, I've always... I mean, Rodrigo says this. Uh, all robots are bastards. Arab. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, an, it's an unfortunate acronym. All robots are motherless bastards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, coming True. back to my statement. There is something extremely racist that your country does with my culture, and you don't even realize that you do it. All you need to do is watch a soap opera from Univision filmed in Florida. And you're going to realize that the father is Mexican, the mother is Peruvian, the daughter is Colombian, the son is Venezuelan, and the neighbor is Cuban. It's How just the they're fuck all the are same. they all related? Yeah. Everyone thinks that all those Latin countries Spanish are just Spanish is Spanish, yeah. baby. They all yeah. sound the same to me. <laughs> it's, it's like literally if you had a TV show in the States where both parents sound like absolutely American and for some weird reason, one of the, one of the kids is Scottish. Th- that's well, okay. That's funny. With that's the thickest funny. accent, <laughs> because for us it's like and no we one do have TV it. shows where it's like <laughs> both parents are white and then like the daughter's Asian for some reason. Like that's very common over here <laughs> that is on television. Terrible. Yeah, unless the daughter was adopted. That's usually how they write it, and they they find some weird way to you know justify it and be like, look, it's every family's a melting pot. I was thinking that if my kid only watched TV and no one explained anything to him, he would grow up in today's world thinking that you can marry anyone you want and having a kid is just the lottery. Maybe they're going to be blonde. Maybe mm-hmm. they're going to be black. Maybe they're going to be Native Americans. Maybe they're going to be Jewish. Maybe they're going to be vampires. No, vampire kids. That'd be very, I'd hate to have a vampire kid. My kid Imagine that. Vampire. Imagine raising a vampire choleric kid. You'd have to feed them all that blood. <laughs> <Yeah>. That sucks. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. Oh my God, my kid is Brazilian and only speaks Portuguese. <laughs> I, think you, I think you learn Portuguese or you teach them Spanish. What if they only speak Portuguese? Gentle parenting born- for a vampire kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we don't blood suck. Okay, I mean like if that's how you are feeling. I mean, if it's a phlegmatic vampire, they'd be like, you could shame them easily about blood sucking and then be like, okay. And oh, your like- kid? A false blood suck. What, like, what would a false fire vampire be? Of like they wait. Hold on, I'm trying to my, my brain. You know, here's what a false fire vampire would be. I don't even need to drink your blood right now. I'm full, but I'm gonna do it anyway because you offended me. <laughs> I feel like a false fire would be more like you don't deserve to have your blood sucked by me, and saying things like that while actually 
at night crying their eyes out because they really need the blood, but they can't really <laughs> eat it. Because and then like you're going to help them get back into their blood by making sure they learn that they actually do need their to suck some blood and they need to understand that it's okay to ask for that from people to suck their blood. And they've just been denying that. Is that kind of the, the journey of a false fire? Vampire? Are, are you talking about Ross, the phlegmatic vampire? Yes, yes. <laughs> Wait, I, I missed Excuse it. Me. I was too busy thinking about vampires drinking green juice. It's like a false fire vampire. I said you got to get them back into their blood was my quote. It's like, Can I have a little bit of your blood, please? They've, yeah. they've just shut down the idea that they need blood because they were told you don't do that. And so they're like, fine, I don't, ever, I don't need blood from you. And then Rodrigo helps them get back into asking for people for their blood because they've been denying it for so long. And it's... Uh, <laughs> It's a really beautiful journey when it happens. I've seen it happen with a few vampires. How do you help a melancholic vampire? That seems kind of easy. There's like, sanguine vampire. That's a crazy one. What's a fucking sanguine vampire look like? I never seen that shit. Sanguine vampires would die immediately because they would be like, look at me, I can fly, I can fly. Oh, the sun. (laughs) Like they would start trying to brag to their friends that they can drink their blood Yeah, they'd be like, hey, don't go out in the sun. And they'd be like, you don't tell me what to do. And then they go... Why do you think all vampires are choleric and melancholic? Because all the sanguine ones died. Yeah. <laughs> and all the phlegmatic ones starved. Yeah. There yeah, you go. It's that a very melancholic kind of world, isn't it? Oh, 100%. You're going to be alone for thousands of years. So you're going to be the only one who survives. <laughs> How perfect is that for a melancholic? <laughs> enough time to read all my books. <laughs> Just have to enough, go out and in, get some blood every may- now and again. Maybe in the next thousand years, I'll finally get the intellectual certainty I've been looking for. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a good way. If anyone's ever like, I don't believe in biotypes, I'd be like, imagine a fat, round vampire. And you do it, you can't. So get out of here. Uh, what's what, Who we are in the shadows or what we do in the shadows? There's a sanguine vampire in that, I think. D- is there? I can't I think that, yeah. It's supposed to be a good show. I wasn't able to really ever get into it. No, I, I mean, do, like, take a YTT as a person. Wouldn't you laugh if it is like stocky, sanguine, had fangs and went like, eh? No, yeah, I mean, it would, it, for a comedy, it would be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine, I don't know, Galafinakis or, or, or what's his name, Jack Black. Uh-huh. It like, would be like a, yeah. Like, what's Chasing is, you with a cape. Is melancholic <laughs> ground or water? Earth, air. Ground. Earth. It's air. Earth. Earth. It's like a fake earth. A sanguine would have to act like a fake earth to be a, like, Is he's Zach Galifianakis a- an analyzing sanguine? I mean, I know he's sanguine. He's I'm either Greek. supporting or analyzing. Yeah, he doesn't like, he doesn't like being out, like, among he's people not like too Jack much. Black. He's like, yeah. But he's, he's, he's a little bit more subdued. I think he's supporting. Yeah. Also, also because... The reason his comedy works is because he looks dramatically uncomfortable doing it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and that's, that's extremely funny. Like, you share the discomfort with him. Mm. Yeah. I feel like he, he blew up and then was, like, like uncomfortable with it or something and just kind of, like, yeah. retreated a little bit. Well, he like, was, I was talking about this for so long, you know, until his 40s. Zach Galifianakis was a comedian's comedian. No one yeah. knew who he was. He was there's was actually a tour called the Comedians of Comedy Tour. That's a kind of famous DVD from the early 2000s. And it's him and Brian Posehn and a few other people who are like comedians, comedians who are not like the whole thing is like everyone knew them as alt underground comedians. And mm-hmm. really, who Zach was for so long 
and then he became an A-lister. And the that's like a kind of that's a weird thing to go from a comedian's comedian to an everyone comedian. So I do think it yeah. probably shook him a little bit. But I don't think they knew him for his stand-up. I think no, it was hangover. like it's the guy from the hangover with the baby. He crushed it in the hangover and then became this A-lister for sure. And then I think it was just like it's a different world. You step outside and everyone knows you and wants a photo with you. Totally. Yeah. And then from two ferns and all that stuff. Oh yeah. Two ferns is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Two ferns was But even that, it was like that was a funnier die thing. He was putting out YouTube videos essentially, and then all of a sudden it just like steamrolled into this huge he went viral. His stand-up was so bizarre and like out there. I mean you've probably I've never seen him without a piano on stage. Uh, he does some other stuff that is, it's so it's you it's it's completely unique everything he does like it doesn't look or sound like any other thing you've seen and he looks dramatically uncomfortable every time yeah yeah which i love um who's your favorite comedian brian i was just thinking about that i got a lot of favorites i was watching john mulaney just give the governor's ball host like two nights ago and i was like he should host the oscars john mulaney should be the host of the Oscars. That is where we should put him. I mean, is that the guy that that did that whole show about being on cocaine? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. John that was so funny. John Mulaney. I think he's the most solid joke writer we have right now. Like he is wow. absolutely a consummate stand-up comedian. And I saw him live at Largo two a couple months ago, and it was two hours of him riffing, and it was absolutely hysterical. I really think that he is. Where can we watch that? You can't watch that. No, no, just yeah. oh, you can watch all yeah, of his Netflix you. specials. They're all incredible. I like um, The Comeback Kid the best. Really? The Comeback Kid. That's the one that was released in probably 2015 or 16. That one, I think, is just like pure perfection. I, th- I, like, I like New in Town followed by Baby J. And then Comeback Kid's a little bit lower for me. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that where he does Horse in a Hospital? No, that's the is next that one. Kid? That's Kid Gorgeous, which is also great. Uh, Horse can in you guys send me all this shows. stuff in our group chat? I was, sure. Um, I mean, it's great. There's so many great. I, there's a lot of great comedians that you have no idea who their names are from Fringe. I but like the big ones. I mean, I still think Louis great. I still think his specials are awesome. I've I, Chappelle. I've. I mean, I just watched his most recent special, and I'm like, something's going on with that guy's ego that's getting in the way of his. Um, Did it get to his head? I just saw a clip, and it, it felt weird. Mm-hmm. It's it, it it was interesting, and a lot of it was like that stuff we saw at the Hollywood Bowl, but it just didn't hit. And it's still like, didn't he release that thing at the Hollywood Bowl? It was the 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 no. something manifesto. He turned it. He turned that into this dreamer thing. Yeah, and then um, I think Shane Gillis is really doing great. Shane Gillis, I, his I podcast is upsetting to me, but his stand up is phenomenal. I don't know his podcast well, but his stand up is really he's really becoming like a. a excellent stand-up i think he yeah. also has this way that he can he's his just vibe on stage the way he looks the way he gets people on his side with fucked up stuff is like a mm-hmm. really amazing skill his stuff on down syndrome is phenomenal yeah like he 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 touches on to- topics that it's like you can't touch on but he finds a way to do it i think it's he's great there's but a guy podcast named, um, is awful jeffrey asmus who is fucking hysterical i i met him in montreal he's like Getting big. I follow him on Instagram. His stuff is so funny. Um, I think he's great. Um, he's alleged open Instagram and it was right there. Um, there's so many great, great comedians. Jeffrey uh, Asmus? Asmus. Like Christmas, but a- Jeffrey Epstein? Oh. Um, no, not that one, right? <laughs> Epstein? Yeah, Epstein's a great comedian. Makes me laugh every time. And with that, I bid you adieu. Gentlemen, I'll see you one day in the future. Um, 
Rodrigo, I, we should have another trip to Mexico or something because I haven't seen you in real life in so long. You really should, especially now that I live in paradise. Okay, let's do it. Soon. Soon. Soon, Brian. All right, guys. Uh, soon. Bring Nick to a show. Okay, if we can do it. Why not? Why don't we, we should just fucking... Dude, I'll get you a freaking theater here. Okay, let's, let's talk about it for sure. I There's think- a bunch of Americans in Merida. Oh, I, this is not, okay, let's, let's speak about this because we've gotten a lot of our international shows just talking to people who know people at theater. So like, this is not an improper way to get a theater and do this. So. I, I have connections. I have powerful friends. I know the people that could make it happen. But here's the thing. There's literally signs in the middle of Merida that say, learn Spanish. Okay. That's <laughs> the amount of that not Spanish oh, that's, that's English that people. I see yeah. what you're saying. I see yeah. what you're saying. Oh, great. Good. Are, they, is that, are those signs written in Spanish? No, in English. They oh, good. Say, okay. Like, learn Spanish. Yeah, yeah. And they have phone numbers and shit. Like, people offering Spanish lessons. Wow. wow. Um, all right. Well, let's do it. Guys, happy new year. Um, we'll see you soon, we love everybody. You, Brian. Lots of love to everybody. And, uh, and uh, au revoir, little buddies. Rodrigo's little buddies. Rodrigo's little buddies. Not oh, Ross's little buddies. Rodrigo's little buddies. <laughs> The, the littlest. Okay. The we will always love you, Brandon Marbles. My name is Brandon Marbles. Welcome to my ASMR channel. <laughs> this is the sound of me eating a big hunk of cheese. We are so sorry, audience. We're so sorry. I stuck. Oh, oh, I can't even chew it. Why are you taking it's such so tiny bites of that entire block of cheese? Oh, is that really take you cheese? forever to get through? I don't think I that's know. cheese. It's cartoonishly <laughs> large. <laughs> yeah, I know you're pretty hard right now listening. <laughs> All right, I gotta go. Uh, what the fuck's wrong with me? All right, bye guys. Bye. I am so sorry for that cheese. <laughs> I'm, uh, I think that was the perfect Brian sign off. All right, you ready for this question? <laughs> yes, I am after that cheese. All right. Thing. Por qué se yo? Creo un hombre. <laughs> Creo un hombre means create a man. How do, you, how do you say to meet? Conozco. Conozco. Creo se yo conozco un hombre quien uh, tiene toros uh, se yo veo, looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Todo lo que yo busco. Yo busco. Yo, yo, no, uh, yo no quiero este y solamente veo uh, el... Uh, uh, a la <laughs> You're doing great. Uh, un amigo. Oh, I, I can answer that question. Okay, I'm going to say it in, in English. I'm, I'm going to say it in English. Okay. How, how is it that I met someone who has everything that I'm looking for and I don't want anything with him but to be friends? Very close, yeah. Why is it that when I meet a man who has everything I'm looking for, I'm not physically or sexually attracted to them, and I only see them as a friend? Because you don't have traumatic compatibility with them, and because you haven't done enough work on yourself to realize what your traumatic compatibility is, falling in love, breaking your love patterns. And also Secret to Mastering Relationships, which is out now. You can get, you can get this answer for yourself right now, Secret to Mastering Relationships.
if you don't understand your traumatic compatibility, then what's going to happen is going to be very obvious. You will always be attracted to people that trigger your traumatic compatibility, that trigger your trauma. We all know what we need and we all know what we're looking for and what would be healthy for us, but that does not turn us on. The only thing that turns us on is the things that our ego believes is true. And this is the reason we created so many workshops in which you learn exactly what your traumatic compatibility is. This is not just giving you information. This is getting information out of you. We built this mind-blowing exercise that I'm ridiculously proud of, that Freud would be proud of, I like to believe, um, where you actually sit down, get the information out of yourself about what the traumatic compatibility is, and then how to make sure that when you meet someone, they have the healthiest, most bearable part of your traumatic compatibility. This is the reason why I married a woman who has the perfect foundation that I needed, who's way more family-oriented than I, than I ever thought anyone could be, given the system that I come from. She had all this positive, well, she still has, all this positive things that I love, that I know and love, but I don't find those attractive. I want them. I wanted them in my life. I wanted them for my children, but I don't find them attractive. So I needed to make sure that my wife was also extremely independent and a little bit feisty. Because if I don't get a little bit of that, they do not turn me on. You can put the perfect human being in front of me. And they don't, if they don't have a little bit of what my, my trauma tells me about women, then I just don't find them attractive. And once you've done enough work on yourself, and you can do this with us, once you've done enough work on yourself, you'll be able to see this traumatic compatibility from a mile away. You'll be able to look at someone and go like, I know why I feel attracted to that person. I've watched this movie and I know how it ends. I would never try anything because looking at someone that turns you on, once you understand your trauma and your traumatic compatibility is like watching your favorite junk food. You know it's tasty. You know you're going to feel like shit if you eat it. And then you know that you can choose something that's healthy, but you need, maybe your thing is GMO. Well, then make sure that they have a little bit of GMO or you won't feel sexually attracted to them. Or MSG. What's MSG? Monosuteroglutinate. It's, it's the thing you love. Ah, that's GMO, food. isn't it? GMO is genetically modified uh, organism. Oh, G- yeah, I'm trans- yeah. I'm, I was translating like literally from Spanish. You meant MSG? We, yeah. <laughs> we call it GMO because it's glutamato monosodico. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and yes, it's Chinese salt, baby. And yeah. it's very addictive and it's what makes junk food taste like magic and be dramatically addictive. Luis, come on camera, my friend. We're giving you a special, oh my goodness, you chose, what a fantastic time you chose to become a patron. <laughs> you took Hi, three everybody. years, Luis. Three years. Luis, yeah. tell us what lesson have you learned uh, about your timing today? Well, I have been studying. I actually restarted. I'm on my second round of listening to all the podcasts. Nice. And Half of our certification is doing the same thing, by the way. But what I learned is that there's never a perfect moment. That is very true. And a really good thing for a melancholic to understand. So we got to start somewhere. And this is my start. So. Well, the good thing is, this is the only reason why I'm not sad. Uh, because it's a podcast, not a TV show. And it's not like we're not on the air anymore. They, there are, I'm excited about this even for my children. Like, there are three years of us talking for hours a week of 
how her father thought, uh, what his father's friends were like, the type of conversations that we loved. Like there's nothing I'll be able to explain to my children when they're 20 that will give them the information on who their father was, like just listening to the podcast. And, and I love that. And we will be back. And we're just, we're just restructuring. Too. What? <laughs> It'll help their English too. <laughs> oh, they better speak perfect English. They better. They're they're going to an international school. Like Santi goes to a school where they don't speak to him in Spanish. Really? Yeah. Just what like my sp- school. What do they speak to him in? English. Oh wow. They should switch to Chinese. No. One of my <laughs> rules, one of my rules to move to Merida was that there needed to be a bicultural school that had international baccalaureate, which is exactly what I went to school in and the reason why I speak English the way I do. People always assume that I lived in the States. I've never lived a day of my life in an English-speaking country. So, Luis, Back to Luis. <laughs> yeah. as, there, as there is no perfect time, there, uh, this is the not perfect time for you to ask your question and get an answer. Well, actually, I have a couple questions, but um, one of the ones that I feel like I can't figure out through just listening to the podcast is about raising children. I know you guys talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Rodrigo, so I talked to you briefly about my son. He's three, and mm-hmm. he is a melancholic, subdominant choleric. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does very well most of the time, but we just introduced two little kids to the home and he loves them very much. Uh, Two little cats. Okay. And so, you know the character from the Looney Tunes, Amira? Yeah, Yeah, we we called her Elvira in Spanish. Yes, Elvira, yeah. So, that's my son. He loves these cats too much. (laughs) He's going to squish them to death? Uh, Almost. And so from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to sleep, he's, that's all that's in his mind. And so I, I don't know how to channel his energy into, into one, being able to coexist with his cats, and two, to be able to continue the things that we were doing to be able to get, her, get him to you know, learn and play and, and develop. Okay, let, let me ask you a, a clarifying question. Is this an excess energy problem or is this a compassion and understanding problem um i'm not sure if it's an extra energy problem it looks like they can't really control how tightly they grab how excited they are about something if it's a compassion thing they can be calm and still like twist something energy okay well, that's really good news, my friend. If it's a compassion thing, it's a way longer path because it literally means that no one has taught compassion and connection to the child. And that would mean a lot about you and the other adults around the kid. If it's just an extra energy thing, that's absolutely normal. My kid is exactly the same. You have a, you have a kid who's subdominant or probably he's dominant. Maybe he's a cleric subdominant melancholic and we don't know yet. Uh, like at that age, we can't be a hundred percent sure unless they're sanguine. Um, but the thing is this high energy biotypes need to be calm in order to be able to focus, especially at that age. So I'm going through something very similar with Santi, uh, who's three, my kid and Emilio, who's, who turns nine months today. And 
um, Santi loves Emilio. And Emilio is old enough to start showing how much he cares about his brother too. Like he yells at him and he laughs when, when his brother makes a joke and things like that. And when Santi wants to hug Emilio, if Santi's not a little bit tired and, and very focused, he starts doing things that could hurt Emilio. And he doesn't do it on purpose. He just wants to pick him up and hug him and show us something. Like, look what Emilio's holding. And he just pulls his arm like he's going to rip the arm out. And what, what we figured out is that we need him to be tired in order to, like, spend time with his brother. With his brother. Because if not, he's just too excited about it. So we make sure that he spends energy on certain things. And then we're there. And we've, we have actually taught him. But they need to be tired. If they're excited, they're not paying attention. So in order to... In order to get them tired, first you need to, to match their high energy. And this is something that parents do terribly wrong. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, on Sunday, uh, the, the magical kings had just showed up, something that we celebrate dramatically in Latin America, los reyes magos, and the three wizards showed up. And, and the three wise men. The three wise men, thank yeah. you. Uh, do you guys celebrate that at all? No. Well, I, I have deep connections to some Mexicans out here, so I'm familiar with it. There you go. So you know yeah. Rosca and, and, and you know the, the gifts and blah, blah. For yeah. most of Latin America, actually, the, the magic kings, as we call them, are way more important than Santa Claus. Uh, but anyways, as, as it is in Spain, too. Uh, but anyways, uh, the, the, the gift that he got was like a little pool and, and like a little rubber pool for, for the yard. And... Little balls that are amazing, like magnetic balls that you can just put in the pool, close them, throw them, and it's like a balloon and they explode. And then you just can put it in the pool again and close them again. So he had all those new toys and no one wanted to play with him because he was surrounded by adults and everyone was busy just doing something until he threw one of those balls and got someone soaking wet. And he, he was very high energy. He had just gotten his gift and... and Everybody started yelling at him until I realized he just got all these gifts and he has no one to play with. Of course, he's losing it. So when I was about to yell at him, I sat in front of him and I said, baby, we're all tired. We're like, it's, it's been crazy lately, but we do want to play with you. And then he just looked at me and he said, do you, want, do you really want to play with me? I felt like shit. And I was like, of course, I want to play with you. Remembered everything, matched this energy, went crazy for a couple of hours, got him away from Emilio, played together, got soaking wet, threw each other on the yard a million times. Then right after that, once, once he was calm and ready, I was sourcing that energy and I started becoming calmer myself to invite him into that energy. Once he was calm and excited and hugging and loving because we had just played for a while, that's where I brought Emilio in. And the first thing that I did is I hold Emilio and I start playing with Emilio in a really soft way while I start saying why I'm playing with Emilio in a soft way and why Emilio is so delicate and why Emilio is so small. Mm -hmm. And then I said, do you want to try? And, but, but I wouldn't correct him. I wouldn't let him try and then correct him. I would just explain why I do the things I do. Like if I'm thinking out loud, like not a lesson for him, just like explaining to the world. And look at this, his hand is so delicate. I love you, Emilio. And I'm going to move you, Emilio, very slowly in this direction because you're so tiny and small and you're so beautiful and you're so precious and blah, blah, blah. And then I looked at Santi and I started saying, you were the small ones and you were this delicate ones. And we learned how to play with you little by little. And it's, it's a little game of understanding what people are ready for. After I started doing that, now I can leave Santi and Emilio in the same room. And like, 
in, in the cradle alone for a little while and nothing happens because now Santi wants to show me that in the same way that I connected with this energy and allowed this frenetic energy running outside and going crazy and going wild because he's a high energy biotype and he's a sanguine. He needs that. After I matched this energy and did that, now he wants to match my energy and show me that he can treat his brother exactly the way I treated him. Not because I taught him, but because he wants to be like dad. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. It's, it's his own way of connecting to dad and going like, I'm learning from you too, but we need to match their energy first because if not, their frenetic energy is still there. And no matter how much you try to explain, they can't listen and then they do something wrong and you lose it and all they feel is like something is wrong about them, but they don't know what. You need to match their energy, let everything go out with that frenetic, crazy energy. And then instead of teaching them a lesson, just show them how you do it and speak out loud about what you're doing and how important this is. How, is, is your kid already like repeating phrases immediately after you say them? Yeah, he talks very well. Um, we've Beautiful. been working on that since he was little. And so for, for a while, even though after we had talked, I thought he was a sanguine because of the way that mm. his energy and his strength, he's really strong. Yep. Um, but I also see him where moments he's just there by himself, he's reading books or he's working on, on you know, something simple, like that really requires fine motor skills. Yeah. And so I'm like, Oh no, I, I could relate to that. I remember myself at that point. Yeah. So, Yeah. I feel like that with my emotions. I was such a little emotional ball as a kid and I would cry my eyes out all the time. And my wife always goes like, why is this kid so dramatic? And I just look at her and go like, because you married someone like that. Like mm -hmm. I was exactly like that as a kid. But what I meant to ask you is this. Um, the repetition game is really important and it usually starts happening between two and three. Um, like they do something, you do it again, they do it again, you do it again. Sometimes it even starts earlier, but with the phrasing, it becomes important. So I'll give you an example. Sometimes uh, like I say something to Santi and he immediately turns around. Like I tell him a fun fact and he immediately turns around, looks at either his mom or his nanny and he repeats the exact same thing I just said word by word. Like it's an original thought that he just had bragging with mom or bragging with the nanny. Have you, have you gone through that? Yes. Then hijack that. Like okay. if you already realize that, that he adores dad, which is dude, enjoy this. Like from zero to five is peak experience. Your kid will never be as happy as right now cuddling with mom or playing with you. Like the dopamine levels go through the roof because there's no ego going like, why am I doing this? Do I look ridiculous? No, they're just there. And if, and if he already has that connection, like I want to be like that and I want to repeat what dad says. If you see him like in that stage, immediately go pick up one of the little kittens and start out loud explaining why you care, care for this kitten the way you do and how delicate you are and how amazing these animals are. And then you're going to see him repeating the exact same thing to someone else. All right. It's not what you tell him. It's being like you when you're not really talking to him. Yeah, I, you know, getting rid of that initial energy was what I was missing. Because There I've been know. trying to do the mimic part and I've been trying to show him how I play with the cats. Even with yeah. the, uh, other kids. And, but I had never gotten rid of that initial energy. If you don't get rid of the energy, he tries to do it, but he's frenetic about it. Mm-hmm. And then we lose it with them. Like our patience goes out the window. 
Yeah, I feel like he can't focus because I. It seems like something else is dragging his attention. Yeah, there's too much energy. It's like trying to explain something to someone who's anxious, feeling like someone's chasing them. Mm -hmm. Are they going to learn anything? No, no. This is why you don't expose children to things that they can't solve. Because if you, if I expose a 10-year-old to the financial trouble of the family, he won't be able to fix it. But that's the only thing he's going to think about when he goes to school. It's it's like the exact same logic. And to answer something that that Breno was saying on the on the chat, being a parent, a parent sounds absolutely exhausting. Well, it is. <laughs> but here's the thing: it's not as exhausting once you understand that all you need to do is change the operating system a little bit. Like, what's a problem with with parenting is that it's not second nature. It's not it's not something that is obvious to us because it's a relationship that works completely different from any other relationship. So usually when your kid starts losing it after a really long day, the tools that you want to use are the tools that you would use with another adult. Like, let me create boundaries and you will not speak to me like that. I am your mother. I am your father. B because you're thinking of other adults that are doing this on purpose and not like a little child who's like losing control because they have all this energy inside of them. Once you understand the logic of who they are and how to connect with them, it's really not that hard, but it's like learning a new way of connecting, which most people don't do. And at the same time, it's not as dramatic as most people today think it is. Like, you I don't know how this is going to sound but now that I'm a dad it is not that easy to screw up like you need to be bad and you need to be bad for a long time to screw them up as long as you're present for at least half of the time and ready to address things every time that it's needed they're going to be functional like you can't screw them up that easily Like you'd really need to neglect completely. But if you understand their logic and understand that they're not that fragile, you're done. Like it's, it's actually enjoyable. In my opinion. <laughs> so, uh, Luis, Luis, you better be you. in the next certification, my friend. Don't tell me that. <laughs> since since um, I had the intro to, to biotypes with you, I know. I, I've been wanting to but my life is a mess and it does, it sounds worse than it actually is, but I'm trying to find a way to uh, juggle all the stuff that I have work on myself because I've been doing several things to overcome my fear. Um, I'm a melancholic, right? And so, and then with that, I've been also trying to be change the way that I react and act towards people around me. Like recently hmm. I got called, uh, I got assigned to be a teacher at church hmm. and they already know that I'm very, like very, uh, no. So, uh, I go to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so this is just like normal Sunday school, but they give you assignments to be able to keep for a while. So I'll be there for at least for the next year. And so okay. the scary part is that there's not very many melancholics in my congregation. And so there's I there's not a lot I of think, melancholics in your culture. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I'm working on, I've been racking my brain of like, okay, what's my structure? How I'm going to go about this. Do I have to give a disclaimer at the beginning? Tell them it's like, Hey, this is the way I think. And so, um, 
But my biggest obstacle is that I, I need to balance all this stuff and come up with the money to be able to go ahead and start. Because no, I want B, to. I, do BYB first. You'll clean all of that up. And then I'll see you in the next certification. Luis, okay. if you're you interested better do the in BYB, one, it's, it's starting Sunday. So send us a DM. We'll, we'll this can, Sunday? Uh, this Sunday. Actually, send us an email because one of our coaches is doing one-on-one discovery calls with people today. Mm-hmm. So we can get you on a call with him to talk about what it would take to get you into BYB. That would be cool. And then you can do the VIP thing and I'll see you in the retreat in Merida. That's another problem that I have. <laughs> okay, we'll figure <laughs> that one out later. And, we'll and also, we love you and I'm so happy that you became a patron on the last episode of this part of the podcast. Well, I felt like I, I, I was hitting a, a roof with my learning. So I was like, I need to find out what he's not saying for free. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well done, sir. Come, come do BYB. Will you send us an email right now? Uh, I'll send it right now. Info at rgpdevelopment.com. That's we'll amazing. get you set up with a one-on-one. Okay. That's amazing. All right. So, uh, that my friends is, uh, biotypical part one. Uh, hit pause. Uh, your patrons will be paused. Uh, we will see you guys in the workshops. We will be doing lives. We will be doing a lot of stuff on Instagram. If you are not following us on Instagram, follow us at RGP Development. Lots of good stuff is going to be coming out there. We have so many reels like stored up and ready to rock and roll that are going to be coming out. So our short form content game is about to get massive. Uh, we love you guys. Rodrigo, anything that you want to say to the listening audience before we sign off? I mean, the first thing I want to say is, guys, we need to do this because Brian is about to blow up like crazy, then have an addiction problem, then go to rehab. And when he comes, once he comes out, we'll start the second season, the, the other three years of Biotypical. <laughs> no, no, be, being serious. Thank you so much for everyone that has trusted us for like three years who have been listening. This has been such an amazing space for people to grow, to learn. Uh, like the emails that we've got, the messages that we've got in the past, people saying this episode changed my life. This episode opened my eyes. This, ep- this episode allowed me to see things that I never saw in therapy. Like so many of my friends keep quoting things from the podcast. So many people come to therapy going like, I listen to this podcast while well, you explain this to me. I believe I have this. The amount of people that have been able to realize what that, 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 they, that they didn't have a massive problem and that there's hundreds of people like them because of their biotype, because of a specific trauma that we talked about in a, in a specific in a specific episode um it's been such a ride it's been amazing and this is not goodbye this is we will see you soon and we love you and for those of you that still want to be live with rodrigo on a monthly basis we do have uh an ask rodrigo uh it's not a workshop. It's not a series. I, w- I would call it... It's an open space to work on whatever you need to work on. Exactly. So that will be coming soon. We will post a link to that in the Patreon. So so stay subscribed. You will not be charged, but stay, stay subscribed so that you guys can get the Patreon-exclusive offers yes. that we will still be putting in there so you guys can get your, your one-on-one times. Uh, it's not one-on-one. It's one-on-many <laughs> with, with yeah. Rodrigo. Where you one on come. a few. And get your your questions answered. And he'll actually be able to work more in depth with people because those episodes will not be released publicly. So that's a a great space for you guys to get some some, uh, coaching and therapy going. Thank you. 
Uh, we love you. And we, it's not even a we'll miss you because we will see you on Instagram and we will see you on the other platforms. And uh, we look forward to talking with you soon. We love you guys. Yeah.